You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is the Lake Show. Steve Thompson in for Henry Lake. Rare night off for Henry. He'll be back Monday night on the big show with producer Chris Tubbs here on News Talk, E3O, We get started here in this Super Bowl weekend, San Francisco and Kansas City in the big game on Sunday night. Before we say goodbye tonight, uh, we'll, we'll get into that, uh, share some predictions. Uh, and, and really the one that everyone wants to know, will Taylor Swift uh, make it back from Tokyo uh, for the game in time? A <laughs> uh, lot going on always in the world of space flight, and... I, I love this, and ever since I was a little kid, and remember uh, Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin walking on the moon in July of 1969. I read a lot of books and follow it a lot, and one of the sites I follow regularly is Space.com, and Mike Wall has been good enough to join us from time to time, and he writes for Space.com. Mike, good to visit with you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for the time. Are you going to watch the big game on Sunday night? Yeah, we, you know, I live in San Francisco, so I'll be going for the Niners for sure. Although, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't feel good about it. Going against Mahomes is never fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, already one of the greats of all time. I, I always hope, just because I, I was a kid when the Vikings last made it to the Super Bowl, that uh, I, I just always hope for a good game. You know, uh, yeah. That, that, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, Mike. Yeah, as we move into 2024, obviously a lot going on. And and so often we talk about SpaceX and what they're doing. But uh, they they launch a ton of Falcon 9 rockets, uh, Starlink satellites, other hardware for other customers. They're launching humans on these Falcon 9 rockets. It, it really is extraordinary what they're doing. And they, they have big goals for 24 and they they seem to be right on track yeah they actually launched i think they they launched 10 missions in january 10 10 orbital missions so that's on pace for 120 in a year obviously 12 months in a year they they said and that that's with some like there's been a lot of bad weather in florida and off the california coast where they launched from you know they launched from both of those sites and they've had a lot of delays that have kind of push that number kind of artificially down. So they've said they want to launch about 144 to 150 missions this year, which is just insane. But they probably are on track to actually do it. Yeah, and, you know, the success, I mean, speaking of that, uh, the the launches happen so frequently, and the, the fact that not only are they getting these payloads into orbit, but they're still returning the first stages, uh continues to be incredible and the the world and customers have taken notice of the reliability of this system 
and and more importantly, the cause to the system. And and I've brought this up before when I've talked to other people that, that cover space flight, etc. If you take a step back and go back 10 or 15 years and say that SpaceX would be doing what they're doing right now, is there an engineer that would have believed it? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, they're, they're really, all the stuff that they've been doing the last few years, we, we, we sort of take it for granted that they're, that they're landing these rockets. And I, I can't remember like the last time they actually had a failure either on the launch or the landing with, with the launch, it's probably been since 2016, I believe they probably had a landing failure sometime after that, but I can't, I can't remember when it was. They've had so much success in a row. It's just really, it's, it's easy to get blasé about it and you kind of think they've got it figured out and they've got to figure out what anybody else has, but you still need to remember that this stuff is really hard and yeah, you can't, can't just take it for granted, even though they Mike Wald joining us from Space.com on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, so success after success with Falcon 9, but that's not the big prize. We, we continue to talk about Starship and uh, the, the super heavy booster that, that's been assembled. They've done a couple of uh, full test launches. They haven't been able to reach all of their goals, but the first one, they learned a lot. Second one, they made improvements to the pad and beyond, and they came very, very close uh, to, to reaching their goals of getting Starship around Earth and bringing it down in Hawaii. I mean, it it, it came that close. And uh, about a day ago, uh, you, you did a piece talking about how NASA has some footage that was newly released on all of that. Yeah, it was, um, I, I guess... They actually released it through the FOIA, you know. I mean, somebody must have put in a request, like, through the Freedom of, of Information Act to get, because cause NASA did, they, they, they tracked that flight with some of their planes, you know, W-57 planes that can fly really high altitude, 60,000 feet or so. And they actually tracked it with those planes, and we actually got to see the footage of this thing flying through, flying through the sky and almost making it to, to orbit, like you said. I mean, Elon Musk said that... Um, if it had had a payload on it that day, you know, it was just a test flight back in November, but if it had had a payload, it actually probably would have made it to orbit because what caused the, it to blow up basically, or to, was they, they had to vent excess fuel that wouldn't have been there if there had been a payload because they would have used up all the fuel. But when they, when they vented the excess fuel at altitude, it lit on fire and caused an explosion. And yeah, so it probably would have succeeded if they were doing like a satellite launch that day, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> on the second flight of Starship. Yeah, and, and Mike, they they say they're ready to go. They're waiting for the proper approvals from the government. But but remember, NASA, an arm of the United States government, has a lot of buy-in with Starship. So I, I would assume they're going to get the necessary approvals and can continue to move forward because it, putting humans on the moon are going to rely on the Starship. So this is a big part of that goal of getting people back on the moon. Yeah, yeah, they're very bought in. I mean, NASA has a huge investment in Starship success. You know, they, they picked Starship as the first lander, the first kind of human lander for the Artemis program, which wants to build a moon base near the moon's south pole and, you know, use that, the knowledge we learned doing that to make it to Mars. And um, 
Yes. Yeah, so if everything goes according to plan, NASA wants to launch people on a moon mission to the surface for the first time in like 2026. And I don't know, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty soon with, with Starship having just flown two test flights. Like that might seem a little quick considering they probably want to fly a lot of uncrewed flights before they actually put people on it. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of timeline NASA wants. You know, Elon Musk is, he's even more aggressive than NASA is. He probably thinks they can do it by then or, or maybe even quicker than that. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and, and back to the launch itself, it sounds like they're ready to go. And this ultimately was the SpaceX track record when they were building Falcon 9 and then uh, beyond that, the Dragon capsule. I mean, you test, you, you fail, you learn, you test again, and it looks like they're in that mode and ready to proceed on that cadence. And, and we're talking some gigantic organic hardware here uh fully stacked starship with the super heavy booster i mean this is this is a building oh a large building it's 400 feet tall it's just just, you can't even it's it's so big i mean you you really don't have any sense of scale with it when you see it in a photo or a video of it launching it is gigantic it's the size of like a 40-story building that's how tall it is so yeah it's it's pretty crazy yeah, so those of you that are out and about driving around downtown Minneapolis, uh, what, what what's the IDS center? You know, not much taller than that or uh, the other tallest buildings in downtown Minneapolis. So it, it really does give you the idea of the scale. But I, I hear it could happen soon, still maybe in the first quarter of the year. Yeah, yeah, they've they've said that they are technically ready, or they will be sometime this this month. They're just waiting for the um for the launch the launch license to come in from the FAA from from the federal yeah from from like the federal aviation administration. But the FAA is still like looking into the the last flight, which ended with an explosion. So you know they they've they're a government agency, and there are laws they have to abide by, and they have to make sure that like. Like, whatever happened on the last flight, you know, we've got to prevent that from happening again on this next flight or to our best, to the best kind of, like, degree that they can. So, yeah, I mean, people get frustrated by this, and they just want to go, go, go. But, yeah, there are laws in place to to, to try to protect us as people living around the, the launch site, you know, and the wildlife and all that. That's That's kind of, it's like kind of out of the FAA's hands in terms of, just sort of speeding everything along to get it going as fast as everybody wants to. Mike Wald joining us from space.com. We'll take a very quick break. We'll come back. Mike joining us here on a Friday night news talk, E3OWCCO. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We continue with Mike Wall from space.com talking space flight, a lot about SpaceX and what they're doing. Of course, uh, they are a huge player in the industry. Um, I, I wanted to get into a couple of other things that, revolve around a space flight in this country and that was a company this little company called Boeing that was awarded a contract around the same time SpaceX did to ultimately ferry astronauts from Earth to the International Space Station. Well we know how SpaceX has done. Uh, They have uh, ferried crews for NASA and for private enterprise into low Earth orbit. So uh, that, that's gone very well. Not so well for Boeing, and they may finally fly humans this spring. Yeah, they're, they're trying to do, or they're kind of working toward their first kind of astronaut test flight in April. <clears throat> and, yeah, that's, uh, it's been a really long wait considering that they, they and SpaceX were both awarded the, those contracts from NASA in September 2014. And since then, you know, SpaceX has already launched seven astronaut missions, or actually eight if you count their test flight, uh, to the space station for NASA. They're gearing up for their ninth one in a couple weeks or less. And um, and that doesn't include some of the side missions they've done. You know, they've launched four other ones, I think, three to the space station for the, for this company, Axiom Space, and then another one called Inspiration4, which is for, for a billionaire, Jared Isaacman. He just, he like went up to Earth orbit with three other people in 2021 on a SpaceX Dragon. So yeah, they've they've launched more than 10, 10 astronaut missions to orbit in the time that we've been waiting for Boeing to, to, put, to put one astronaut on board. You know, they're going to put two on in this test flight that's supposed to launch in April. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, We'll see if and when it actually happens. And, Mike, it, it gets back to uh, another part of Boeing's business and some of the, the the quality issues associated with their 737 MAX, uh, quality issues in building the Starliner capsule. A flammable tape was discovered, and they they had to literally unravel or, or cover that tape in this capsule, it just seems mind-boggling that that could happen at this level of aerospace, and that—that's why it's been delayed so long. And talk about a, a huge flight if and when they do fly uh, with humans on board. That—that that is a big deal for Boeing, the brand. Period. Yeah, they also had they had that the flammable tape thing. You know they they already had installed all the wiring and it was wrapped by this tape and it was, they discovered or they determined afterward that it was flammable or maybe they knew it was flammable, but they didn't think it was a big deal, but then they decided it was a big deal and it all had to, 
to either come out or be mitigated somehow. And they also had like an issue with the, with the main parachute system. Like apparently it was not able to hold as much of a load as they thought it was. So they had to kind of mitigate that too. It is, it is really kind of surprising and we get, we get spoiled. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier with SpaceX, just how easy SpaceX makes it look and seeing Boeing's all the delays they've had and the kind of troubles they've had. It is a reminder that it's, it is pretty hard to design and develop a brand new spacecraft, especially one that's carrying humans, because everything has to be right. And if there's a problem, you got to correct it because, you know, you can't put astronauts on a system that has even one, like one safety issue because, you know, you just can't, I mean, you can't risk that. Yeah. And, and Mike, this gets back into a big philosophical discussion. SpaceX has done it. The, the Chinese are doing it. The Russians have sent humans into low Earth orbit and returned them safely to Earth. So, so that's not groundbreaking. But we haven't sent humans back to the moon in a long, long time. We're, we're talking early 70s was, was the last trip to the moon, Apollo 17. And yeah. it gets in it, it it gets into this topic where it's like, yeah, we did it back then, and we're more willing to take risk. I mean, sending human beings and what they need to live on the moon, let alone Mars, is I I don't know how many degrees more difficult, but it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, and we we were more more willing to take risks back yeah. in the space race. Too, because you know it's a totally different climate back then it, it was i mean getting yeah i mean putting people on the moon before the the soviets did was viewed as like a national security imperative for us to to show like the rest of the world that the u they should throw their their lot in with the u.s that we were the future sort of and um and and at that time you know there were a lot of developing nations that had just gained their independence com- coming out of colonialism and were looking for a superpower to align themselves with. And that's one of the main reasons why the Cold War space race was viewed as so important by the U.S. and the Soviet Union is, is to try to convince these these new nations that, you know, you, you, you have to pick a side. You, you should pick our side because we're the technological future. So we, we were willing to take bigger risks. And, you know, there there were fatalities. The, the Apollo 1 fire in 1967, we, we lost three astronauts in the Apollo program just on, on the launch pad during a test. Um, so we did take risks and we, and we paid for it to some degree, but yeah, now it's like, it, there is not that same national security imperative. You, you see it kind of building with the, all the rhetoric about what China wants to do. And you see a lot of, there, there's some congressmen now talking about how we must beat China back to the moon. You know, I mean, whoever gets to the moon first, will get to set the precedent and we want to do it so that it's done responsibly and so forth that kind of rhetoric is starting to build, but it's like nowhere near where it was during the space race with the Soviet Union. Yeah, and it gets back to what we talked about with Starship and how that fits into NASA's plans. And you're, you're talking all sorts of new technologies of Starship's launching and then setting up a, a fueling depot in low Earth orbit, and then that would fuel a ship that would go. I mean, it's not like what we learned about the Apollo missions where – you know, they launched on the Saturn V, and they took everything they needed with them, and they were relatively short stays. The goal is to get humans to the moon, but ultimately set up a base 
and a presence on the moon, and that takes a, a whole lot more technology and a whole lot more launches than you know what they were able to package together in the 60s and early 70s to get people there and return them safely to Earth. Yeah, that's that's the other big thing that people need to to remember when they're talking about well, why why is it so hard? Why don't we just send people back? We did it 50 years ago with 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 like yeah. slide rule technology. Yeah, I mean, it is a different goal, right? We aren't just doing the flags and footprints thing. We do want to build a moon base. We want to set up those fuel depots like that that you were mentioning. And there's a lot of water ice on the moon near the South Pole that these scientists think there is. And so what we want to do, that's that's why the South Pole is the site for the base, is we want to be able to mine that water ice and turn it into rocket fuel. And, you know, so that we can actually kind of like refuel spacecraft's tanks when they're at the moon and then they can go farther afield even like to mars it's it's a much more ambitious kind of undertaking than just going to the moon planting a flag and coming back so that's another reason why it's harder and it's taking a while yeah and that that that's why it may take longer and as you pointed out earlier and i completely agree if spacex had the budget and the wherewithal they they would they would probably move much quicker than, say, NASA and other countries that will likely need to be on board to make this a reality. To actually get it built, the, the United States will need partners. And then I think ultimately to put humans on the moon, like science fiction is depicted, it's, it's probably going to take a lot of countries pooling their resources to be able to pull that off because you're, you're talking about going to another planet and the journey is long, extremely dangerous. They're going to need to take a lot of stuff with. I mean, this, this is a gigantic undertaking. Yeah, and it's one that that's, that's something NASA is very clear about. You know, they, they want this to be done in partnership with other countries. They've got yeah. this kind of this, this set of agreements called, called the Artemis Accords, where basically countries sign on to say we will go to the moon with the U.S. and we'll do it responsibly and peacefully and uh, there's about 33 other countries, I think, something like that, have signed on. Um, it's like it's basically like a framework for what's coming in moon exploration. And and obviously NASA has also said that they're going to rely very heavily on the private sector, as we we already talked about. You know, I mean, they're 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 going to rely on on Starship to to get astronauts down to the lunar surface and back. And they're they've signed up um they've signed contracts with with various private companies for for robotic lunar lander trips to the to the surface to, with with NASA payloads on board you know science instruments uh we actually saw one of those launch last month and it it didn't make it to the moon but um we're going to see another one launch in a few days or so on on the 14th early in the morning with some NASA science gear on board uh so yeah it's it's a it's a Big partnership, uh, a big undertaking, and it's not. Yeah, it's not just NASA. NASA's leading it, but they 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 want a lot of help along the way. Yeah, fun stuff to watch. Always a lot of great reading at space dot com. I really appreciate your work, uh, Mike, and hopefully we can visit again soon. Yep, sure thing. Always good talking to you. All right, there he is, Mike Wall, uh, senior writer with space dot com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 